Grab your Bibles, if you will, and keep standing with me. Okay. Okay. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, starting a new chapter. Woo! All right. (laughs) says this. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So, running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, to the poor Lord. And if I have extorted anyone, anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. (laughs) Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, Lord, to celebrate your resurrection and, Lord, your purpose for coming in the first place, which was to seek and to save the lost. And that is exactly what your resurrection has accomplished. Well, your death on the cross. Uh, paid for our forgiveness and our reconciliation, Lord, and you rose again from the dead so that we, Lord Jesus, could be saved, that we could be, be your people, so that we could have uh, intimacy with you, that you could have, we could have your Holy Spirit poured out into our lives, that we can have life eternal, life everlasting, new life, Lord Jesus. And so I pray this morning that you would open up our hearts, open up our spirits, Lord, to receive to receive your spirit, to receive what you are speaking to us today, your church and your people. Lord, we come before you today. And Lord, we just pray that you would pour out yourself here this morning. Make much of your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated. (laughs) So this morning, I want to talk about the presence of God. Right, the presence of God. Now we all know those guys. You know, you, you, might, you may know those the, the, the guys who are, the, you know, the short and stout and angry. You know, <laughs> I always think of like an Irishman, you know, a short little Irish guy. I do not want to fight you. You know, like a leprechaun or something like that. You know, ang- you know, short man syndrome they talk about. Right, Zacchaeus had short man syndrome. He was, he was, you know, he he. We'll talk about a little bit more about his his perspective here in a moment, but. There are times in our lives when, when people respond a certain way because of the way that they have been treated, the way that they have been, um, the way that they've viewed themselves, the way that they've grown up. We all have those experiences. We all have life that we've lived up until this day. We were all born. At least most of us were born, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> and, you know, and what is the other promise? We're all going to die. <laughs> and we'll eat and sleep in the time between. Right? <laughs> Eat, sleep, and, and, and work hard. And so, uh, so we, as we gather this morning in, in, in our passage, we're, we're seeing a man who is a man, who is a person. 
just like you, just like me, who's had his run-ins with, with people, had his, his childhood upbringing, who's had his experiences with, with the religious, with the Pharisees and with the religious rulers, with the, with the temple and worship. He's had his experiences growing up, and yet he chose a new path for himself, which ended him here as being a chief tax collector. Now, he probably started out as an actual tax collector, right? Where did, where did you start your career? Why did you start your career? We were talking about this on Wednesday in our, in, our, in our theology pub over at Dry Hills Distillery down the road. We were talking about how every single one of us around the table that we have come to this place in our lives because of different things that have happened along the way, along our journeys in life. So we, you know, we, we may have started out one way. I was born and raised Southern Baptist, right? Father, Son, and, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Um, <laughs> you know, and I was raised in the church. I was raised in a youth pastor's home. My dad just retired a few months ago after 50 years of ministry in youth ministry, nonetheless. Youth pastor. Bless his heart. <laughs> Teenagers. <laughs> They're awesome. They're great. <laughs> I saw that nudge. <laughs> Teenagers are awesome. And so my, and my dad has had a heart for them over these last 50 years. But so, I, you know, we all grew up in these different areas. I grew up in a Southern, traditional Southern Baptist and went through all these different life experiences, experienced life and received, you know, experienced difficulty. Think about your own life. Think about the things that have gone on throughout your childhood. How, how were you born? How were you raised? How did you get to this place where you are today? In your faith, or lack thereof, do you, do you, are there areas where we still maybe lack faith in our lives, or in your in your life in your relationship with the Lord? Where did it? Where have you had to come through, come to to get to the place where you are today? That's what Mr. Zacchaeus was contemplating and asking himself in our time today. And our main point is this: that the presence of Jesus, whoops, the presence of Jesus brings. Gratitude, generosity, and restoration. The presence of Jesus. Now, as we see the, the, you know, these last two narratives, so last week we talked about the, um, the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, on the road, and he was healed. And this happened in, Jerusalem, in, in Jericho, I'm sorry, Jericho. And now we see Zacchaeus also happening in Jericho. So the theme of Jesus' ministry in Jericho right now is seeking and saving those who were lost. Right? Um, I almost preached these together because <laughs> they're, they're so similar. But then I felt that they needed their own Sundays. And I felt, what, what greater day to preach about Zacchaeus, a man coming from death to life, coming from, from loss, you know, full lostness to rejoicing and joy and celebration at experiencing the presence of the living God than with Zacchaeus. It's because that is the whole purpose of Jesus' ministry. Um, is the, the whole Luke's central purpose in his entire writings uh, if you get nothing out of this entire series over these, you know, this year and a half, almost two years of a series, it is that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. You were the one who was lost. Right? Uh, so Luke was written to a world in which the resurrection of Jesus is a reality. And I just realized I moved this over to re-record my sermon, so it's way over. I was like, why am I so close? <laughs> there you go. 
you know, Luke is written to a world in which the resurrection of Jesus is already a reality. So this wasn't, you know, written during the time of Jesus' life. It wasn't, you know, Luke was sitting there. Luke was actually a Gentile. They didn't come to faith in Jesus until at least, you know, 20 or so years after Jesus rose from the dead. So he is a Christian because of someone else's testimony. Because of these, these narratives that are being recorded, that Luke is recording. And remember, Luke, where did Luke get all his entire gospel, like all the stories in here? Not from him. He went and actually had a conversation with each person. So, why do we know about Zacchaeus? Went and talked to him. Had a conversation, sit down with Zacchaeus about his testimony. This is Zacchaeus' testimony. Ooh, that should give me chills. Right? So just like today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality. This is Zacchaeus' resurrection day. This is his new life day, his being raised to life, being dead in his trespasses and sins, and being raised to life. This is his resurrection day. So what is happening here? Let's look at this. So, and notice he, he is a chief tax collector. Now, I, I preached another sermon about tax collectors, and so they, they were hated. You know, they were hated, like an IRS agent today, you know, or worse, Right. Well, actually, there was a, ta- a, a tax uh, IRS agent uh, in the choir and orchestra that I that I played with for ten years in Southern California with with OD, right? And she actually had to carry a little snub nose thirty eight special in her purse as a federal agent of the IRS because people hated her. Still today, right? So this is so not only were they hated because they collected taxes, but because they were these were Jewish people who were traitors. That, imagine like, you know, um, Iran or China or something coming in and occupying the U.S. And we're no longer the U.S. government anymore. We kind of have you know, ways that we can kind of govern behind the scenes in our faith, right? But the U.S. government is no more. We are ruled over by an occupation. And so the Chinese or whoever, Iran or Russia or whoever occupying nation comes and they hire Americans to collect taxes for, the, for them. They are traitors to their own race, to their God. They're traitors to their God, to their faith. They have abandoned their faith because they are hanging out with and spending time with Gentiles in Gentile buildings. So they're now unclean. They can't can't go and worship. They can't go and read the scriptures. They can't go and be a part of the life of Israel in that time. They were hated. But Zacchaeus was a chief. He was like the ruler. He was like the head hunter, the CEO of the tax collectors in that area, in that region at that time. He was the chief tax collector, which begs a question. It causes us to ask this question. What happened? What, what happened? I mean, like we talk about our lives, like things happen throughout our journeys in our lives, right? What happened? What caused Zacchaeus to doubt that, you know, that, that uh, or led him to become a tax collector in the first place? To view his rightful place was outside of the people of God. What led him to that area? It's interesting, when we were sitting around the table on Wednesday night, every single person, when, it, when there was a, a dramatic faith shift, there was always something at the center, something at the core, a hurt, a trauma, a struggle, 
Something happened in our lives that dramatically shifted us or rattled our cages or made us doubt or made us wrestle or made us, made us think, made us question, made us, led us to doubt or led us to hurt. Maybe Zacchaeus was hurt. Did he, have, did he have hurt in his life, in his past? Did he have disappointment or disbelief that he was wrestling with? Well, if this God is real, where is he? We haven't seen anything. I haven't, I haven't seen a miracle. I haven't seen a, a, you know, the, the Red Sea be parted. Sure, I talk about it every, every year on Passover, but I've never seen it. I haven't seen the glories of God. Why should I believe? Do we ask these same kind of questions in our faith today? Where is God? I haven't seen this. I haven't seen that. I haven't experienced this. I haven't experienced that. In fact, these, these people who are asking all these questions, you know, how could a good God cause bad, you know, bad things to happen? A lot of these people's points are, are getting valid in my head. It, it, it's, we, we wrestle with this. And this, there's kind of a, a catchphrase today called you know, deconstruction. It's becoming trendy to deconstruct your faith. To not just to discover and to reform your faith, but to throw it away. To make faith to make a shipwreck of your faith based upon, oftentimes, by people. It's not that God has failed us. Oftentimes, it's people that have failed us. Does, does Zacchaeus have a bad run-in with a, with a priest or a Pharisee? Get in line, you dirty sinner. Maybe they, that's all, all they ever felt was awful. All they ever felt was guilt and shame for not being enough, not doing enough. So Zacchaeus is like, why should I even try anymore? I'm just going to go make some money. That makes me happy. I mean, shoot, Solomon even said, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you're going to die. May as well enjoy it. Maybe he was taking a biblical stance in that direction. <laughs> this is kind of very much attuned, you know, his, his heart with the, the passage a couple weeks ago, the rich ruler. The, the rich ruler you know, who wanted to see Jesus, but he left depressed and angry and disillusioned because Jesus didn't say the things that he wanted him to say. He was very wealthy, and that was keeping his heart tied up. He was unwilling to let it down. But it's interesting. Look at Zacchaeus here as well. He's also curious. Right? Like, you know, like people like, will, will, will say a lot, you know, have you heard the phrase, there's no such thing as an atheist in a, in a foxhole? There's no such thing as, a, as an atheist at a funeral? When we are all faced with our mortality, something kind of clicks, at least for a day. <laughs> right? Something kind of wakes us up, jars us out of our, our slumber for at least a little bit to make us think, is this all there is? Is this how I want to live my life? What do I truly believe? Who is God? Has God failed me? Or have I just been unmerciful, unmerciful toward people who have failed me? This is, he, so he was curious. He wanted to see who Jesus was, right? He said right here, uh, verse 3, he was trying to see who Jesus was. He was curious. He was like, I've heard about this guy. Like we talked about last week at the blind, with blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. He's like, who is this guy? I want to go and see this guy. Or he'd heard about him. He's like, Jesus, have mercy on me. Because he knew that Jesus could heal him, right? We talked about it last week. If you haven't, well, go back and watch it, you know, because I re-recorded it because the audio was bad. But, <laughs> um, but, but so he was curious. He had heard about who Jesus was. But he wanted to see for himself. 
He's like, is this guy truly like 12 foot tall and, you know, <laughs> yeah, has lightning bolts coming out of his eyes, right? Kind of like the, the stories of William Wallace. <laughs> you got me there. That's right. <laughs> but he was also what? Short. He was a short guy. So we kind of know what this guy could look like. You know, I mean, for them, he was like 5'2 or something like that. Um, he climbed up into a sycamore tree because he was very short. So he ran, he ran ahead found a, found a sycamore tree. Um, and what happened? He was thinking he was going to catch an eye, a glimpse of him, like to see, actually see what he saw, see what Jesus looked like. He was probably surprised. He was like, uh, why is he stopping? Why is he looking? I thought I would. You can't see me, Jesus. You know, pulling some branches in front of him or something. He's looking at me. What? What? Uh, okay. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to stay at your house today. He's like, well, I didn't invite you, uh, but shoot, I didn't clean up my, uh, my dinner last night or <laughs> left my other tunic on, left laying on the floor. But, <laughs> but this is all about encountering the presence of Jesus, encountering the presence of God. This story is all about transformation. Jesus didn't ask or command Zacchaeus to do any of the things that Zacchaeus did. Did you notice that? Jesus, like, he didn't, you know, with the, with the young, rich, young, rich ruler, he's like, what do you want, you know, you know what do you want? And then the Bart, blind Bartimaeus is like, what do you want me to do for you? And then the, he told the rich man, go and sell all your possessions and do all this stuff and then come and follow me. He's like, all right, be healed to the blind Bartimaeus. All he did was give Zacchaeus his presence. So I'm going to stay with you. It is necessary for me to stay with you today. All Jesus gave him and asked of him was for him to receive him. All Zacchaeus got of Jesus was Jesus himself. Another mouth to feed, <laughs> in a good way. He didn't command him to pay anyone back. But it came out of the overflow of encountering this presence of Jesus. Jesus' presence brings a heart or a spirit of gratitude, generosity, and restoration wherever he is. So what caused Zacchaeus' transformation? Let's look at that. Zacchaeus didn't value God's people, the temple, worship, or you know, spending time with God until he met Jesus. What changed? He met God. He didn't have to go to the temple to meet God. He met God because God met him where he was, at his, at his tree. He encountered the love of the living God himself. Which stirs an interesting question. How did the rest of God's people respond to Zacchaeus? To this, all this goodness, right? Let's, let's look at the, these last couple weeks. You know, all who saw was both in our passage last week and this week. Said so all who saw, what well, last week, when they saw it, they gave praise to God for the blind man. But this week, what did they do? They began to complain and grumble. Well, I didn't come over to my house. I've been following him. I already had the meal prepared for him. Come on. I wanted to host God. But he chose Zacchaeus. He chose Zacchaeus. They began to complain. Oh, if this guy only knew 
Sometimes the hardest people that we the hardest people that we are able to confront when Jesus is wanting to get a hold of someone else is the people closest to us. Oh Jesus, if you only knew that she didn't throw her trash away. If you only knew that the, you know they leave the toilet seat up. If you only knew how they respond to people when they're stressed. I mean they get angry, they yell. If you only knew how they responded to stress, that you you won't even be able to find them. They're somewhere else. They're not present. If you only saw their, the skeletons in their closet, I know them, Jesus. You might not know that this guy is a tax collector. You might not know this person, but I do, and they are not deserving of your presence. How do you respond to other people's transformation? Because worldly religion, think about it, every worldly religion puts their emphasis on merit. What you do or don't do. But, again, my my two favorite words of all scripture are, but God. But God's kingdom places its emphasis on mercy, on grace. On love. Do you have someone who's hard to love? Love them even more. Do you have someone who doesn't deserve crap? Give them mercy. Give them love. Give them your presence. Give them joy. Even the so hard ones that you just want to, you know, pile drive and just <laughs> destroy the ones that you don't. You may not want the, you know, bad things to happen to them, but you don't want good things to happen to them either. God's mercy ought to stir joy within us. Celebration at what he's doing. Like we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter is all about seeking and saving. What happens? So he seeks that, you know, like the, the pearl or the, the sun. He seeks. And then when he finds, he ministers. And when he ministers, he restores. And then when there's, when there's restoration and transformation, they throw a party. They celebrate. They have joy. Because this son of mine was dead, and now he's alive. This person was hard to love, They're still hard to love, but they're better. But they're better. But they're better. But it may not be a you know a dramatic shift, but oftentimes it can be just incremental transformations that you celebrate and keep celebrating them, keep celebrating them, keep celebrating them, keep celebrating in in your own lives. Do you have a victory that you that you feel like, man, this was awesome. I've been harding, you know, trying hard, and God was really faithfully He helped me to come through in this area, and I feel like I got a victory in this area of my life. Uh, uh, as people call it a breakthrough, right, in a certain area of our lives. Bitterness or jealousy or, or struggle, temptation. Celebrate it. Did you withstand temptation? Awesome. Celebrate it. Not with a drink, but celebrate. <laughs> celebrate the victories that you are seeing God win in your life. Transformation. Seek Find, minister, restore, and then party. Celebrate. Jesus is an equal opportunity healer 
and offender. Are we willing to heal and offend ourselves? Honest question. What is our, our opinion or perception of right? Is it truly the scriptures or is it our own opinions? Because when it's our own opinions, that's when we'll start to get offended with God's word. That's when we'll start to get offended by grace. I have often, here's a little confession, I've often operated in the latter. Sometimes in my own opinions. Because growth is not a comfortable pursuit. But what it produces is good. New life will never flourish and you will never grow if you stay in your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is where you will fail. Growth is not a comfortable pursuit, but the fruit it produces is good, glory, and joy. Growth and maturity come from deciding that you have not yet discovered the best version of yourself or the best perception of God. Or that you've learned and experienced and encountered enough of God's glory or enough of God's goodness. This chief tax collector experienced God's goodness and generosity when he encountered the radical and ridiculously generous mercy of God. The mercy the blind man cried out for, Zacchaeus received without even asking. Like Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, the Lord desires for all to come into agreement with him about the reality of this world and his lordship, his leadership, his, his reign, rule and reign over it because he's the one that spoke it into existence. Only through faith in God's reality can we experience God's flourishing and joy. Only through faith in the Lord Jesus, his death, burial and physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, can we experience what? New life. New life. This is the theme basically of the entire New Testament. Really, the entire Bible. New life. Life abundant. John 10.10. He desires good. What? 2 Corinthians says, and he died for all so that all, so that those who who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised what does this new life look like here's what here's another one he says i have been crucified with christ what it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me and the life that i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me he said in first corinthians he said let each one who live his life in the situation the lord has assigned when the lord called him this is what i command to all the churches acts 23 Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin, these are the religious rulers, and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. Are you living a life that you can say at the end of it, I've lived my life in a good conscience, pursuing righteousness, pursuing godliness, pursuing God's presence continually and always. And all my life I've seen that God is faithful to me. 1 Peter 4, I live the the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. 
Philippians 1, just one thing, as citizens, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. John 11 said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. As we celebrate today, as we celebrate the passion, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we remember this account of Zacchaeus was the purpose that caused Luke to write his gospel. The passion of Jesus Christ. This was the purpose of the death of Christ. New life was the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection was the purpose of the life of Jesus Christ. New life is the reason for the season. New life is the reason for the resurrection. New life is the reason for our faith. We don't come to the church to be a part of a religion. We come to the church to be a part of the, new, the, the kingdom of God, which promises us new life, life everlasting, eternal life. John 3.16, everyone knows it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's the reason for Jesus in the first place. It's the reason for creation in the first place. It's all about new life. Christ is risen. So you got it. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. That is the reason for Zacchaeus. That is the new life that Zacchaeus got to, got to experience. And that is the new life that God is offering for you. He's offering you not a religion, but new life. He's offering you what? His very presence. He's offering you him. That's what the gospel invitation is. Come to life. Come to faith. Come to joy. That's the whole purpose of our faith. And so, as we close our time here this morning, what is the new life that God is, is, is working in your life, is working in your spirit, is working in your heart? That he's saying, come down from wherever you've been. Come out of this. Come out of that. Come out of whatever has been distracting you from my presence because it is necessary for my presence to abide with you. Where have you been hiding in your lives? That Jesus is saying, come on out. Come on down from your insecurities. I want to come and take a residence and share a meal with you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your joy, for your glory, for the, for the life everlasting. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross Thank you, Jesus, for the tomb. But Lord, thank you that it is empty. Thank you for the pouring out of your Holy Spirit. But which is stirring within our hearts, is, is bubbling up to eternal life and crying out, Abba, 
Father, Lord, draw us into your presence. Draw us into your joy here this morning as we celebrate the risen Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.